You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1147 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you as always for joining us on the podcast. Check out the podcast on each of your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's show will break down what became a 131 to 117 loss for the Hawks in Chicago. Not a hugely surprising result when you factor in all of the context in play, who was playing, who wasn't playing. All of the roster challenges the Hawks are having at this point in time, and they are overwhelming in nature. That was the common theme and pretty much the uh, overarching theme of the night, honestly, was uh, all the challenges the Hawks have been having. And uh, it's, it's a result that, you know, it counts in the standings for sure, but not one that I think is indicative of too much in terms of the basketball side. But, you know, with this loss, the Hawks are now 15-19 and 19 on the season. They have now lost five of the last six, nine of the last 12. And uh, this is actually the start of a six-game road trip that covers 13 days and almost 6,000 miles of travel. So, a tough spot overall. There was some optimism expressed by Trey Young and Nate McMillan after the game because last year, of course, they famously started 14 and 20 and were able to overcome that. Trey was pretty uh, positive about all the uh, ways the Hawks can turn this thing around. But at the moment, it's been a real challenge for Atlanta. And we'll get into all the context of what transpired in this game. But uh, yeah, that's the agenda on the uh, podcast today, and we'll dive in now. So, pregame and what's happened since Monday's podcast, the Hawks added three more players to the protocols on Tuesday morning with Bogdanovich, Corgi Jang, and Malik Ellison. With that, the Hawks had 15 guys out at that point and 13 guys in the protocols, just unprecedented stuff up and down the roster. They canceled practice on Tuesday because, you know, they kind of had to, honestly, just for, um, you know, being responsible. Chris Gent, assistant coach, um, former summer league head coach, etc., their lead assistant is uh, also positive right now, is in the protocols. Um, they ended up signing Justin Tillman to a 10-day contract on Tuesday morning. He didn't play in this game, but then they ended up signing Cam Oliver and former Rockets guard Chris Clemens, a very popular college player. Those guys signed 10-day contracts on Wednesday. So with all three of those guys involved now on the roster, the Hawks have 26 players under contract. And from what I've, what I've, been, able to, what I've been able to find at this point, that is the most of any team all season and also the modern-day NBA record for players on a team at the same time because, you know, in the past, you couldn't have as many players. It wasn't allowed. You couldn't actually get there. Even in the offseason, um, you can't really get beyond 20. So uh, 26 guys is just it's unprecedented, honestly. Um, and beyond that, they've actually played, coming into the night, they had played 22 guys on the court this season. Now it's 23 guys when you factor in uh, Oliver, who played tonight. The all-time record for a full season is 28. So if the Hawks have any more churn or a trade or anything like that, they could approach that all-time record for guys that they actually used over the course of the season, and it's only December. So all of that kind of goes without saying. Um, they did have one guy return from the protocols on Wednesday. It was Wes Awundu, obviously not the most high-profile guy. I think that he can help them defensively, but with him coming out and nobody else coming out of the protocols, they had 14 guys out by the time tip-off actually happened, 12 guys in the protocols and 12 active players in the game. And while that's uh, you know well clear of the threshold of having to have eight players to start any game. Um, eight of the 12 guys available for the Hawks in this game on Wednesday were on 10-day hardship contracts. That is two-thirds. Eight out of 12, two-thirds of the roster that was active tonight was not in the NBA 10 days ago. They were not on the Hawks roster. They were not around the Hawks. Some of those guys were from College Park, so they're kind of in the system, but it's very different in a lot of ways. And 
you know, essentially, it just cannot be overstated the challenges of having eight of your 12 active players basically not be NBA, full-pledged NBA players. So that's pretty crazy. Um, and the only guys who were actually on the roster opening night, there were four of them. Two guys, Trey Young, Capella, were already in the protocols and came out. Cam Reddish is the only guy that wasn't. And then Skylar Mays is on a two-way. So just a, uh, just a ridiculous set of circumstances from the Hawks team. And then things got uh, heightened a little bit on Wednesday afternoon when the NBA announced that the Heat-Spurs game for Wednesday was going to be postponed because Miami couldn't get to eight players. And famously, you know, Hawks fans, I kind of called this, it was very obvious it was going to happen. Hawks fans were irate about this, and I think understandably so. Um, the Hawks have been pressed into service. Travis Schlink's been signing guys left and right to try to keep playing. And the NBA, and you know, to be fair, the Hawks are not the only team that's doing this. They have it probably as bad or worse than anybody else does right now. But Toronto's had the same thing. There's been other teams that have had to have this uh, this massive roster churn. But Miami kind of bucks the trend today and you know couldn't get to eight, quote unquote. I'm not sure what was going on there protocol wise. But um, when that postponement came down, Trey Young expressed himself on on Twitter, and I'll actually play some audio for you in a second about Trey's reaction after the game. We actually thought he was well uh, well spoken with it and kind of gave some good context. It was pretty level headed, but also kind of expressed what I know Hawks fans are feeling. What I, honestly I was thinking, even as a nonpartisan in this uh, in this particular realm. But um, that definitely created some uh, some confusion slash frustration on the part of a lot of people inside the organization. I would imagine as well as outside and fans and media, etc. Um, David Millen got a question about it. Actually, I think artfully dodged it in a pretty predictable way. But I do want to play the audio for you now because, again, I think Hawks fans are rightly furious slash bothered by this because they've had to trot out these you know non-great rosters uh, the last couple of days. But Trey Young got asked by Chris Kirchner, who was in the building in Chicago on Wednesday, about the situation. He was kind of opening and answering that question. I'm not going to play the uh, original question because it was uh, the audio's quality is very bad. You'll actually hear Chris ask a follow-up in the middle. I'm going to leave that in because you can you kind of need the context, but it's not great on his end. But Trey's audio is good through uh, through Zoom here. So here is what uh, Trey had to say about all the situation and the frustration and confusion that he has had and the Hawks are having right now. It's crazy. I mean, uh, from what I was told, and the reason why we kept playing was that the NBA didn't want to stop games and postpone games. And um, I mean, you've seen teams around, even the team we played tonight, they've they haven't played a lot of games in the last couple of weeks because they got a lot of games postponed because the guys being out. So I think uh, it's just kind of confusing. And um, we got three-fourths of our team out. I mean, we, I came to shoot around today. Uh, no, I mean, not knowing most of my teammates. So, um, I mean, it's something that obviously, I mean, our leader with, with Nate, I mean, never wants to make an excuse. I'm not the type to making excuses and things like that. And, um, but it's kind of frustrating whenever you look around the league and other teams have gotten games postponed. It's not even canceling them. It's just moving them to because of what's, what's going on and all the COVID outbreaks. So uh, we've got hit hard by this COVID. And uh, it's just uh, it's kind of frustrating not, not getting some games postponed. What your reaction was like when you saw the Miami game get postponed? Yeah, I mean, I was confused. I was just uh, just confused. And just because uh, we got we had like four guys flying last night um, just to just to make the roster and able to play for today. So uh yeah, we were able to find find a way. Um so I don't know if that's necessarily uh on on the league or on I mean on, on our on our part to really complain and be be uh kind of forceful with what's going on. Um because other other teams have gotten games postponed and waiting waiting for guys to get back and uh we have only really three guys that play um big minutes for our team. And if you include Scott, four guys, uh, 
from our 15 man roster is is kind of crazy. All right, so we'll leave that there for now. But again, I think as recently as yesterday, I might have answered with, "Look, this is not the league picking on the Hawks. They're just having to, uh, you know, it's their protocol change. The Hawks got unlucky with the timing of it." But this one, you know, Miami being able to postpone, the Hawks not being able to, was definitely one that hit home with a lot of people, including Trey, as you hear there. So uh, I get all that. I think there is a different a different um, debate happening and probably should be happening about whether the NBA is doing the right thing overall in general with just kind of trying to play through this and not pausing and not adjusting the protocols. At least they've adjusted it, but actually been more uh, aggressive in uh, getting guys out of the protocols. But at any rate, uh, that's the situation. Uh, you heard from Trey there and Nate kind of, again, just kind of talked around it, but definitely seemed to be exasperated and, um, we'll get into this later on with the uh, just the way that the team play on the floor, but the uh, difficulty I would stress of having guys that are not only not NBA players that are established, but also guys who never played together and never practiced together and having no time and no ability to install things. And I think people kind of underrate that in terms of a factor as to what could be, especially on defense, uh, a challenge to navigate if you're Nate McMillan and this coaching staff. And yes, the Hawks have been bad on defense this year, but it is... Uh, Virtually impossible to put a coherent product on the floor when you're having guys who never met each other, basically, <laughs> and the, as they join in the locker room, etc. So, um, all that said, the Hawks were the undermanned team in this game. Um, they were actually only eight point underdogs, according to our friends at Ben AG in this game, which actually kind of remarked before the game. I thought was interesting and uh, felt a little bit low to me, um, not just because of the uh, situation overall, but you know, it's kind of a a hat tip toward the Hawks and kind of, I think Vegas feels that the uh, Hawks are undervalued right now. And I think just the power of Trey Young to drive offense uh, was, I thought it was pretty respectful of the Hawks, honestly, to be only, only eight point underdogs in this game because Chicago was missing Lonzo and Caruso, but essentially the same roster that they had on Monday, plus Derek Jones Jr. And they were playing at home with no rest disadvantage. And, you know, obviously the results were, they were, were what they were and the Bulls were pretty good. So there's no shame in uh, in losing to the Bulls in this spot, but uh, we'll get into all that stuff in a second. I just want to at least start the podcast with some context. We will dive into the basketball, the back and forth stuff, as we always always would on the podcast, and sort of the analysis portion. But I thought it was important on this night. Um, you know, it wasn't the first time in the last week this is going to happen, but uh, hopefully it will be the last. Hopefully the Hawks can get some guys out of the protocols in the next couple of days. But for now, this is kind of the perfect storm, is the way I would describe that. Of the Hawks just kind of keep trying to churn through this thing, playing a team that already kind of battled this and they are now healthier and Chicago is largely complete. They're missing a couple guys, obviously, but um, in a possible spot for all parties involved. And as a result of that, you kind of have to look through that lens when you're evaluating the game. Um, before we get to the game itself, though, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save up to $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so we'll get into the game itself now. And the Hawks were uh, competitive early on in this contest. And honestly, to their credit, did not roll over. 
Um, I thought they played hard in this game for the most part, um, even with the roster challenges. But Shawnee Brown started the second game in a row at four. Actually, hit a couple jump shots early. And honestly, one of the big stories of the first half was the was the play of both Brown and Malcolm Hill making shots to help the offense kind of stay afloat. They started Skylar Mays at the two in this game. They normally have, uh, have have not paired him with Trey a ton, but they did in this game. And he was you know, very clearly the fourth best player available for the Hawks, so they, it makes sense to start him. They were down, with, down by six early. Um, Chicago was uh, scoring at will, as that was sort of the theme of the entire night for the for the defense. There was a nice finish that I thought by Cam Reddish against Vucevic at the rim. It was a direct, aggressive take by Cam to the rim. Um, trade actually tried an off-the-glass alley-oop to Capella, which was kind of funny. Didn't work. They actually still got a buck on that possession, though, so no harm done. Um, but the defensive stuff was really ugly in transition. In particular, the Bulls had a remarkable amount of fast-break points in this game. They had eight in the first seven minutes. Um... And just kind of, you know, one of the things about getting organized and not playing together is transition stuff and not being able to match up quickly, and um, it showed in this game. That's one of the areas that's, like, kind of under the radar that you might be uh, able to miss if you're not paying attention, but um, that's one of the times where uh, that, and I think just kind of rotations and stuff like that defensively um, get lost in the shuffles. I sort of referenced earlier about how uh, these guys have no, co- no cohesion at all, and that showed up on tape in this game. Uh, rotationally, they played Malcolm Hill as the first sub for Shawnee Brown. As I mentioned before, he made his first three shots. He was pretty hot. They played Lance Stevenson a little bit after that. Cam Oliver was the freshly signed guy on the 10 contract. He was kind of the backup center in this game because the Hawks don't have a backup center with uh, with both Gorgie Jang and Anyaka Kongwu in the protocols. They played Oliver at center. He's really a four, but he's definitely, you know, he's 6'8", 240. He's a big guy, but not obviously not, not a huge player, but, uh, you know, he, he did a capable job, I thought, in this game. But the offense actually was very good in the first quarter. They actually didn't turn the ball over at all. 13 points combined from, from Hill and Brown. They shot 50% from the floor, forward back from three. But defensively, the Bulls shot 73% in the first quarter. Um, they had four turnovers, which kind of kept the Hawks in it a little bit. But they got to the rim. There was some bad perimeter defense. There was some, uh, you know, some sluggishness for sure. We'll come back to this later on. But, but Capella was uh, very much gassed, it seemed. And there was, I guess, some reason for that because he gave uh, some comments after the game about his uh, recovery from COVID. But we'll get into that later. But alas, um, defensively, it was a mess, let's just say. Um, they tied it in the opening portion of the second quarter, then a lot of 9-1 run, kind of a back-and-forth, back-and-forth. And the uh, I would say the parachute kind of was pulled at some point in the, late in the first half, not because of lack of effort, just because of the I think the better team just kind of took over in terms of what was available. The Bulls had a 16-0 run late in the second quarter to go up by 20. Um, they were 18 of 19 at the rim at that point, just kind of an onslaught there. Um, transition stuff was, again, truly terrible. They gave up, they gave up 19 fast-break points, Sorry, 22 fast break points in the first half. Um, just for reference, the NBA leader in terms of team fast break points per game is like 16 per game, and the Hawks allowed 22 in the first half. That is more than a the team leader <laughs> averages uh, for a full game. So that gets some pretty good context there. And then offensively, they finally just kind of cratered after they had keeping up, keeping up very well, honestly, to their credit. But they didn't score on seven straight possessions late in the first half. They didn't score a point for three and a half minutes, and it was just kind of rough. Uh, 22-3 to uh, close the half overall. And the offense was generally good for like the first 18 minutes, and then there were 5 of 8 overall, sorry, 5 of 18 overall in the second quarter with six turnovers, and that, that was obviously tough. Chicago shot 70% from the floor in the first half with 24 assists. Um, in the second half, we'll have uh, a lot less in terms of back, in terms of back and forth. Um, there was a 10 to 4 run out of the gate by the Bulls in the third quarter. I tweeted this at the time, and I still believe it. I would have at least thought about giving Trey Young the rest of the night off at that point in time because I thought the game was basically over. Um, to their credit, and I will say this, even you know there is documented evidence of me saying that um, that I wanted them to kind of pull a rope a little bit there. 
um, to their credit, they, they battled back. So they, they were not giving it up at that point in time. They made a, they made a run of it there. It was actually a long delay because Trey was actually bleeding from his hand, had to come out, and then came back in. But there was a 12-4 run by the Hawks to get back within 19. And eventually they were down by 15 with about 90 seconds to go in the third quarter. Um, they scored 26 points in the final seven minutes of the third quarter. Uh, the one that, only won that quarter by four points, but they definitely showed some real fight. And, uh, yeah, again, to their credit, that was a pretty impressive little uh, battle back by the Hawks. But then Chicago took over again early in the fourth, stabilized the lead. They brought Trey back with about nine minutes to go. Um, that was his final push. But after the Hawks failed to score on three trips in a row, Levine got a dunk with like 6.45 to go in the fourth quarter. And the Hawks were down by 23 at that point in time, and they finally pulled the plug. I think that was the right time to do it for sure. If you were going to do it early in the third, that was a pretty obvious time where it was, it was over at that stage. They brought in Cat Barber to run the rest of the show um, the rest of the way. They got it down to 14 with like three minutes to go, which is kind of, you know, the backup unit playing hard and playing fast, but um, no actual threat to come back and win the game. So uh, with that said, we're going to do some takeaways now quickly. Um, you know, when they pulled the plug, as I sort of referenced before, when, when Levine had that dunk, the Hawks had about a 135 defensive rating at that point, which is, you know, just off the charts bad. Um, the Bulls were shooting the lights out. They had an EFG, effective field goal percentage, of 69%. That is uh, uber, uber elite. Um, they had 36 assists with six minutes left in the game, the Bulls did. Um, they finished with 38, but they probably could have had 40-plus if they kept trying. Um, 31 fast break points, which, again, is like double what the normal team, what the number one team, I should say, averages. Um, that's almost triple what the normal team averages in fast break points. Um, and honestly, again, the Hawks scored better than I thought they would because, you know, on paper, in terms of just actual talent, if you ignore any context about playing together, the guys that the Hawks brought in are probably better defensive talents than some of the guys the Hawks have not playing with right now. Like, other than, other than you know, having Trey on the floor, all these guys that the Hawks are playing with right now between, you know, Shawnee Brown and, um, and Oliver and Awundu and even Lance Stevenson – uh, those guys are all probably defense-first players, at least on some level, but without the cohesion, uh, not going to be able to do much on that on the floor. But uh, again, the offense was probably better than I would have thought, honestly, in this game. Um, when you factor in the guys that made some shots like Brown and Hill, and uh, Trey had some moments, of course, as he always does. And uh, I thought they did a pretty good job offensively, for the most part, other than that one six-minute stretch late in the first half that kind of uh, when they let go of the rope just a touch. Um, but you know, they had to, I think they probably had to be outlier good on offense to win this game. Um, just because of how the defensive situation was setting up against the Bulls, who are talented and good, and um, I talked about this with Glenn Willis a lot last, uh, I guess beginning of this week on the podcast about how tough the matchup was, even if the Hawks were at closer to full strength, but uh, they weren't, and the Bulls um, are obviously good enough to take advantage of that. So um, that's kind of the situation. We'll get into some player observations and more in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the College Bowl season and then from there to the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season and every season. You can head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. To get that bonus, use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% and extra cash on your first deposit. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, and much, much more. In fact, basically everything in the sports world. You can get all of it at BetOnline.ag and do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this season and every single season after that. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, so don't wait. Take advantage of the offer that we are giving you right now with promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Today's show is also brought to you by Bilt Bar. It's almost a new year, and that means New Year resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in that plan. Bilt Bar is a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar, and maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or just not taste fantastic at all. Bilt Bar is very tasty, and if you want to eat healthy, it just gets so boring sometimes. But about like week three, you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? But Bilt Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein to go along with 4 net carbs. And you can compare that to candy bars. Honestly, it's not even close. And here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at your office, in the car, wherever you might look for that treat. Throw out all the sugary and calorie-filled stuff and replace it with built bars. So if you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach from something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least something that tastes good and that it's good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious built bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You have coconut almond, a peanut butter brownie, and raspberry cookies and cream, my personal favorites, solid caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. Check it all out at built.com often to see what's new. And if you go to built.com right now, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order with, with Built Bar. If you use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com, check it all out today and start the new year right. All right, we'll close the show now with some individual thoughts and the observations of the players. And it'll be probably a little bit quicker than usual through this segment because of what I've talked about before. Um, not a lot of takeaways from this one, honestly, on the floor. Um, Cat Barber did not um, play until the garbage time. But seven minutes, actually missed all four free throws, which is kind of... Interesting, um, but non-factor for the most part. Lance Stevenson didn't, didn't play a ton, 13 minutes, um, plus eight. Played, played some good defense, I thought, um, around the way, but nothing uh, too impactful. Wessel Windu comes out of protocol, eight points, two rebounds and a steal, um, two, three from the floor, one of one from three. Um, I thought Oliver gave them good minutes off the bench, 13 points, four rebounds in 18 minutes, all, all six of his shots. Um, good to see him like, you know, taking advantage of that first opportunity with the Hawks. And then Malcolm Hill... Um, was really good in the first half in particular. Had 11 points in a hurry. Had five fouls in 29 minutes. And they talked about how they wanted to pair him with Trey Young. He's a good spot shooter. Um, definitely a role player type of guy. Um, I obviously want to see more of him, but I thought he's played well when he's given been given opportunities from the Hawks so far. And um, 13 points and three steals in 29 minutes is uh, totally totally fine and solid. Um, the starters, you know, mixed bag here. Shawnee Brown, I thought, started out very well. Was hot. 16 points um, for the former Michigan slash Wake Forest um, veteran, um, um, and obviously a first-year guy, but an older first-year guy for sure. Three assists, two rebounds. Sorry, three rebounds as well. Made three of six from three. Only two of six on twos, but um, got to the, got to the line four times. Uh, gave them good energy, and I think he's been playing pretty well in his early stints. Skylar Mays was quiet. Um, wasn't bad. Just didn't have a ton of usage offensively. But had seven points, three, three, three assists, three rebounds. Was minus eighteen as all all the stars were in this game, honestly. And then the three guys who you might expect uh, to be focal points, Reddish, Capella, and Young. Uh, we'll, we'll do Reddish first. 14 points for Cam. Two steals, two assists, a block. Did have four turnovers, which is more than you would want. Uh, and, you know, struggled in this game, I thought. Um, you know, not criticizing him too much because, you know, the context was so difficult here. But um, 14 points on 16 shooting possessions. Uh, he's not efficient. Didn't pass the ball very well either. McMillan said that he thought Cam's legs were heavy. Um, that was probably the case. And honestly, look, he's... He was tasked with playing a lot of minutes and carrying a heavy workload the last few games, you know, with those games without Trey, et cetera. And I think Cam's obviously done a really good job, so I'm not really worried about this, about, about this game at all. But uh, he wasn't he wasn't his best in this contest. Capella um, struggled mightily in the first half, I think, just with his physicality wasn't there. He was sluggish. Uh, Chris Kirshner noted in real time he was, uh, in, you know, kind of breathing heavily, and, and et cetera, on the floor. He, he was there in Chicago. 
he was better in the second half. I actually thought Clint was good in the third quarter, um, and, and kind of more like more like himself. Ended up with a good stat line: eighteen points, 15, 15 rebounds, three, assi- uh, three assists, um, seven fourteen on the floor, four four from, from the free throw line. Uh, missed too many bunnies. That's kind of been the theme of Capella's season in a lot of ways. Um, but I will say this, and this is important to kind of point out. I kind of speculated this on Twitter a few times before knowing it, just because I think it was kind of an overlooked thing. Like, and this is goes this goes for Trey too. You know, Trey is I think kind of an alien and in the best possible way, um, and is in such great shape and all that stuff. But these guys just had COVID, uh, and I know. Trade was not symptomatic, but Click Capella revealed after the game that he was symptomatic and actually had trouble breathing when he was uh, in the protocols and had a cough when he was in the protocols. And even now, he was asked in, in a follow-up by Chris Fillmore of the AJC if he was still feeling anything. And he said, yeah, he said he, that he actually was felt like he was being affected still by what transpired. So, you know, how do you weigh that versus, you know, how he's actually playing? I'll leave, I'll leave you to decide that. But I think it's important context, and uh, I kind of guessed right there, but... I, you know, Capella's had some conditioning challenges in the past, in part because he was rehabbing an Achilles. It's kind of hard to run, but this was different than that, particularly in the first half. I thought he he looked very, very sluggish in a way that you don't really see from him. He's not a low-effort player. Like, he plays hard, and he just didn't have it in that first half, really, even just physicality-wise. And I think it doesn't explain everything necessarily, but I think it's uh, definitely something you have to keep in mind with a guy like Clint who is carrying a, you know, a large frame. Bigs are probably going to have even more trouble in some respects, but... These guys just had COVID and Clint had symptoms and um, that's a challenge. And, you know, people were asking, why is, why is he playing? You know, you got to trust the training staff. Um, they, they wouldn't clear him if he wasn't going to be able to play. But the fact that he's not going to be 100% even now, he's worth keeping in mind with regard to Clint. So it was good to see him play better in the third quarter. He did say after the game that he was feeling better now than the first game back. You know, he played on Christmas and I think he was, uh, you know, at least from what he said tonight, was not was not quite himself in that game. So, uh, doesn't erase everything. You know, Clint's had some struggles this year for sure, at least compared to his normal baseline. But I think he was pretty good in the second half of this game, and uh, we'll see what he looks like. And hopefully, he gets uh, healthy because that's the most important thing moving forward. Um, and then lastly, Trey Young, twenty-six points, eleven assists, seven turnovers for Trey. You know, even even Trey, who is again kind of an alien in the best way, it's possible he may not be his one hundred percent self right now. He just was in the protocols, and yes. He didn't have symptoms, but you can be sluggish. You can kind of be tired, all that, all that stuff. So uh, I thought he played fine. I uh, didn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't his best possible game, but had a couple of like ludicrous passes as he's often going to do. And I thought he was uh, a general positive for Atlanta. So we'll leave it there for now. But you know, again, I understand frustration with a double-digit, you know, pretty lopsided defeat at a team against a team that you're trying to compete with in the East. I would just stress that um, these last three, four, five games for the Hawks are just not indicative of much. Yeah, they still count the standings, which definitely accounts for some of the frustration from fans and I'm sure players and I know coaches and front office guys and staffers, etc. Nobody's happy right now because they've kind of been affected and gotten very unlucky here with this stretch, but nothing is uh, off the table from what they were trying to do preseason. I think the one thing that you probably can't say that they're going to do now is like compete for the number one seed. Um, as people, I think, on the high side thought that the Hawks might be able to do, go out and win 50, 55 games and compete for the one seed. That's probably off the table. But as we saw last year, they're capable of getting hot. And I'm not telling you that they're going to win you know, all their games again like they did last year in the same way. But they're capable of that, and I think their goals are still very much in front of them. This is a team that um, can still... I think get the four seed in the East at the you know stuff home court in the first round if things broke right they gotta get healthy and quickly this is gonna be a tough test um, five more on the road here is difficult the next game on the schedule is a Friday night game in Cleveland Cleveland has a bunch of injury stuff right now and protocol stuff as well and they just lost Ricky Rubio for the season that's a big blow for them but they've been really good this year so that'll be a tough test we'll see who's able to play in that game it's a New Year's Eve game 
Um, it's going against college football playoff, by the way, and Michigan and Georgia. So I know, I know there are a lot of Georgia slash Hawks fans, and I'm sure that Georgia will be giving the number one spot on that night. Um, but uh, that, that's coming up on Friday night, and then they, from there they go to the West Coast. So uh, a challenge for everybody involved here. 15 and 19, nobody's going to be thrilled about that. But um, I would just stress that um, context is, uh, is key right now. And uh, the, per- the protocols and the roster challenges are very real. And uh, I'm not one to go out on a limb and, you know, just, just blindly defend the Hawks. You know, I'll criticize them when I feel like they need to be criticized. And I just kind of tell, tell you guys how I think uh, things are going to be going right now. But I have a hard time, you know, being very frustrated or angry at the Hawks' performance in this game. They were so shorthanded. And again, eight of the 12 guys on the roster that were active in this game are 10 days who were not probably going to be in the league. Uh, at least six or seven of these guys are not going to be in the league in another 10 days. So... Keep that in mind. So, uh, all that said, thank you for listening to the podcast today. I'm sure uh, some of you didn't watch the whole game, and I don't blame you necessarily, but um, please subscribe to the podcast. Please follow us, follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to, at BT Roland. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review if you enjoy the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, etc. And uh, thank you sincerely for listening to the podcast. We'll have one more show to round out the uh, calendar 2021 before we go to 2022. Actually, I might be recording that into the wee hours of the morning on Friday night into Saturday. But alas, the best way to find the show always is to subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time.